How are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, feeling a little lazy today, but other than that, all right. It feels like there's kind of a lazy energy in the air today. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, I keep I keep getting really high before going to bed, thinking that it's going to help <laughs> me go to sleep. But then I just wind up being really high and watching funny videos, and <laughs> passing out. So nice. I don't really have a great you know bedtime practice right now. Yeah. You watch those debates? Ugh. <laughs> I haven't seen any clips yet, to be honest with you, but I've heard they were terrible. Is it not even, like, I was hoping that it was going to be terrible, but terrible in an entertaining sense, and it wasn't even that. So <laughs> that's that's really the only reason why it's tune is tune in is for the entertainment. Mm-hmm. So, yep. And I, I didn't even get it. <laughs> just total horseshit. Yeah, it was just it was it was just bad. It was just really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just really, really, really bad. It's like watching like uh, I don't know, like your two grandfathers like argue who's going to pay the check at like a family dinner or oh, something. God. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I wanted to ask you. Um. The uh, Mikeadelic origin story. I don't know how far back you want to go with that, um, but as far back as you want, I'd just like to hear kind of the backstory of how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah. So it was a, a brisk fall evening. I was walking <laughs> along an old sewage plant. I fell in a radioactive vat of LSD and ayahuasca, and and then a and then a microphone. And it was electrocuted. <laughs> And then I was just like, I gotta talk about psychedelics. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. That's inter- inter- interesting question. How far back? I mean, I just, I feel like I, I, I grew up just always like questioning reality and just being like, this is, this is it. There's got to be more, you know. So driven, driven by that, I got into a lot of different things. Like I started, uh, like acting and writing screenplays and doing stuff like that in college and. Um, just making like funny little sketches and stuff that we didn't, I think we posted on like MySpace at the time. Mm. Gives you a sense of how old I am. And, uh, and then, um, and then I got into stand up comedy when I, when I moved to New York City after college. And that was good. That was fun. And, uh, met some, some people. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Dave Smith, uh, who's a comedian, we wound up doing a, a podcast th- together called Part of the Problem. It was like a political show because I was getting into a lot of like political stuff that wasn't really in the mainstream, and so it was kind of uh, more of a libertarian focus, like take on politics and and just like picking apart the the mainstream media and you know stuff like that through like a, a comedic lens. Uh, at the same time, I just started experimenting with psychedelics in more of like a um, uh, intentional way, you know. 
because I, I had taken some psychedelics before when I was in high school and college and stuff, but it was just like a part of other drugs. It was like getting fucked up, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so doing that show, doing comedy, doing a lot of psychedelics, partying, listening to a lot of uh, <clears throat> Terrence McKenna talks, Alan Watts, Joseph Campbell, just getting into a lot of different thinkers and, and things like that. And uh, I just decided like, to, I decided I was like, well, libertarianism at its core, which was like, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, right? They kind of go by this like non-aggression principle thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's that's great. Like freedom, liberty, that's, that's what we all want, right? Like we all want freedom and liberty. Um, and so I thought there's a, there's a connection here with the experiences that I was having with psychedelics. I was like, there's a, there's totally a connection here. And then I, I started listening to Timothy Leary's album, tune in, tur- uh, tune in, turn on, drop out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy gets it. But I, I was really reading a lot of stuff that, that made it, that made psychedelics, you know, I think you and I probably grew up in the same period with like the dare education, yeah. right? Fear and everything. So even though I kind of knew it was BS, there was still the remnants of that stuff in the back of my mind. Like if you take too much LSD, you're going to be legally insane or something like that. So, but reading uh, Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Dass, Leary, uh, Albert Hoffman and Huxley and getting into fiction, Brave New World, Animal Farm, like stuff, Orwell and stuff like that. Like it was just like, oh, wow, there's a whole creative scene here that I was never exposed to uh, through public education and through, even in college. Uh, I was just bored by a lot of that stuff. And, and because I was bored by it, I just decided to party instead. So I started doing Mike Delic in 2016. And um, <clears throat> and uh, and yeah, and and the original idea was to to sort of like fuse the ideas of of liberty, and I started t- saying cognitive liberty because I heard it somewhere, and I was like, well, that's really cool because I own my body, I own my mind, I I should have freedom to alter it in any way I can. And then I remember hearing or uh, watching Graham Hancock's TED talk and being like, yes, that's mm. the thing, and. So I, I was really driven by that, and then I just wanted to have interesting conversations with people that were thinking outside of the norm or what we did, what we call the norm. So that that was the start of the show, and and uh, and then I just you know kept kept doing what I was doing ever since, just getting interesting guests on, doing solo shows, just reading, being informed, speaking out about things that I felt were important, and yeah. Nice. That's the or- that's the origin story. Is that a good origin story? It's I don't know. A, I think it's a good origin story. So it, <laughs> I feel like it needed to be more entertaining. Like I got in a fight with someone. Like, You're not going to publish this podcast, and I was like, "You can't stop me." <laughs> well, <laughs> is any of that going on now that you're? Uh, speaking out about about what you think about current events, you getting any blowback? I know you've been pretty outspoken about coronavirus stuff, uh, making funny memes, and you know, reposting a lot of. Uh, information that i think is very relevant and important what's that been like as far as are you getting a lot of blowback are people pissed off at you or or are you getting a lot of people that are agreeing with you and you know thanking you for posting stuff and yeah what's that been like i guess yeah both yeah yeah uh both definitely i just feel like it's important to you know question the narrative mm-hmm. especially especially when there's such a pervasive you know hegemonic sort of narrative you know like there there's there's one dominant narrative and 
you know, even people that I admire and respect, I, I, I'm like, you know, I, I question some of the things that they say and, and post and stuff. And I'm like, guys, you know, we've been lied to our whole lives. Like, it's all here. You could find out all about it. So why would this be any different? Why all of a sudden would this sort of government, state, crony, elite be telling us the 100% truth? Mm-hmm. Some's, something's fishy. And I, I'm, I want to investigate what that is. And if I see things that sort of add up to me and, and make sense, that I'm willing to, you know, poke fun at that and, and also, you know, showcase that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a tough deal because on one hand, I feel like in some ways, you know, speaking out about things and even poking fun at things, it can be polarizing in some way, you know, because people can get upset that you're offending their their beliefs or their opinions. Um, but then again, I've found so much uh, information and value from seeing people speak out and do that. If nobody was speaking out because they were afraid of, you know, increasing the polarization, then no information would get shared, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's what keeps me going is people that, that tell me, like, thank you. Hey, thanks for saying that. Thanks for posting that. And and it's also good to have people. I have a friend of mine who's who's a scientist, and she posted some stuff, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting that you posted that because I didn't realize the inaccuracy there." And she's like, "Yeah, that this one's not really that good," but she's like, "I like what you're posting. I like that you're questioning. Just like you know, not all the things are always because there is a tendency sometimes, especially to be lazy and just be like, "Oh, this this looks like the thing that I saw before, so I'm going to share that." So it's good to have on both sides. I'm 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 open to to compassionate criticism and and curiosity, you know. Yep. But any like negative attacks, I think, are um, not useful. Yeah. So maybe you could, uh, you know, and I'm not. And this is only if you want to, obviously. And I'm not looking for any sort of concrete. This is what you believe, but I mean, what do you think is going on with all this COVID stuff? Like, how do you feel about it? You know, I know we've talked about it before, but I guess on your podcast, I was mostly just going right in, blabbing about what I thought about it. But, I mean, what do you kind of, how do you see what's going on? Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, I think it's, to me, my first instinct was, well, this is, there, I there's some there's some kind of bullshit that's going on here. Mm-hmm. You know that was my first instinct, but I wanted to wait and I wanted to see before just jumping on that train. I wanted to wait and see and and listen to people like uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, uh, Sayer G, Kelly Brogan, some people that I had looked at in the past and been like, oh, these people are sort of good voices in in the mm, you know healing field. I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people were like, ah, "I don't know about those guys." Like, you know, so it was a it was an interesting back and forth of me really being like, "I really don't know what to to think here." But then I started to then I was like, "Oh yeah, what's what are the things that aren't being talked about?" And uh, so I started looking at some other uh, sources and some other information. And um, yeah, I mean, I just think that this this is another this is um largely a uh, overblown reaction to a virus that's not good. You don't want to get it, you know. Um, and 
but um, I, I I think that there's there there are. It's not even that I think I know, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And you say it's like as soon as I I'm going to say what I'm about to say, you get labeled as a particular camp, right? You get labeled as like an alt right conspiracy QAnon type of person. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not where I want to go, and that's not what I believe. I don't believe. You know, the, it's not like uh, I, I'm attaching to these sets of beliefs. I'm just questioning the narrative, and I'm and I'm looking at where the incentives are. Like, what? Why is this happening? Why have all of the things in the last eight months been happening? You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of people that do not want the president that we currently have to remain as the president, and they would go to lengths to, to defeat him. I'm not saying that's why the virus is happening. That's not. So there's many, many things here, and I think that uh, one of the biggest things for me was the Freedom of Information Act that journalist Whitney Webb uncovered that was talking about how United States and Silicon Valley type people are interested in uh, developing the technology that China has over their social population control. Um, And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like why, you know, the name of the game has always been about rich, powerful, elite people controlling more, having more resources. And that ties into everything. That ties into psychedelics, cognitive liberty, that ties into politics, that ties into um, you know the ecology, biodiversity, all the things that we care about. It ties into everything. So uh, I see this as, as, a, as a way to advance more uh, security, apparatus control spying technology 5g ai type of of stuff so that to me is the main concern and then the the virus i just see it as like well it's probably this thing that's like the flu but maybe a little bit worse but they're using this as as an excuse to do all sorts of things you know the biggest transfer of wealth that we've ever seen trillions and trillions of dollars going to banks corporations uh, very little going to people. Um, and the the first question that I had about this was, well, look at how we were able to marshal our resources and do all these things like lockdowns. Look at how quickly people adapted to all the new terminology, social distancing and all this kind of stuff. It's like, man, if if we had a, a system of, of elites and, and government type people that actually cared, we would always be doing this. We would be like, there's a homeless problem, you know. So what is it about this that, that you know, and um, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's definitely scary. You know, the 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 powers that be, the sort of the story of separation, as Charles Eisenstein likes to talk about. They definitely it definitely serves their interests to keep us more isolated, more separated, more afraid, and more in front of our screens. So we, you know, don't trust each other, and we're fighting with each other, and that's what we're seeing. You know, it's it's a maniacally evil devised uh, <laughs> type of plan. And that's not. And also, that's not to say that it's coming from a shadowy group of six people smoking cigars in a room, you know, laughing. I think that it's uh, there's there's various factions involved. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know I sound nuts. I sound nuts <laughs> to a lot of people. I know, I know. But that's this is. I've been studying this for a long time. You yeah, know, with reading books like The Devil's Chessboard about the formation of the CIA and Alan Dulles, and like I'm just fascinated about secret organizations and. Uh, deep state type things and history and stuff. So, well, and I mean, if you just look back through history, it's it's almost seems like we can go back a certain distance in the past, and then people accept that there are 
people in power who do all sorts of things to manipulate populations. But it's like once we get up to a certain present day time, it's like, well, no, you're just being a conspiracy theorist, you know. Um, but what you're, yeah. what you're saying is interesting about, uh, you know, the homeless problem and the the idea that if we truly had this compassionate, empathetic, uh, you know, scientific governmental complex and they were truly just out for the best, you know, the best possible outcomes for humans, for humanity, for this population, it seems so inconsistent to think that there would be this massive response like nothing anybody's ever seen before or even really considered. I mean, nobody's ever really even considered the type of lockdowns and, and I mean, most specifically the lockdowns, obviously, as far as the mask mandates and those types of things, it's kind of getting down a, a little bit different rabbit hole. But even if you just want to look straight up at, you know, closing all businesses except for grocery stores and big box stores and, you know, mandating that everybody stay in their homes. It's, I mean, nobody ever thought that something like that would happen. But yet, for things like heart disease, child trafficking, home homeless problems, you know, all the different opiate addictions, cancers, you know, toxicity of the in the food and water supply, all of these different things that are just plaguing this civilization. Nobody seems to really, obviously people care, but there's no real immediate response. There's no urgency. And then as time goes on and more and more numbers come out and you see how the death rates just continue to, to go down and, um, you know, it's more and more closer to like a common cold or flu every day. It just seems like what is going on here, you know? And then mm -hmm. if you start to dig into stuff and actually hear about some of the players involved and what their backstory right, are and what right. their intentions are, you don't have to even make a leap to think that this could be some sort of there could be an ulterior motive to this stuff i mean yeah i don't know have you did you watch the full-length pandemic film yeah i watched the first one and the second one yeah yeah uh you know that Dave. i think it's david r martin i think the guy who was in that pandemic full-length yeah the guy with the bow tie yeah, yeah i've heard him on a couple different podcasts now because i was like this guy is really interesting you know and i check him out on a on a few different uh, podcasts and where he goes even to even more depth on some of this stuff than he did on the film and it's just like I'm not going to be able to sit and you know uh, word for word parrot what he said in those but you know anybody who checks what that guy's got to say out I mean it's just how can you deny some of that stuff I mean some of the patents that were put on a novel coronavirus vaccine nine months before the pandemic hit and all of these conflicts of interest and illegal activity from Moderna who won the highest bid for the vaccine contract and just all of this stuff. It's like, you'd have to be, I mean, within the context of all the other corrupt activities that have been going on in this government for how many years, it just fits right in perfectly. You know, like I don't think, from my perspective, and I think sometimes it's just a matter of, it can sound crazy if you haven't taken in a certain amount of this information, but once you take in a certain amount that's absolutely verifiable with documents, 
it's just kind of like, okay, well, something's not right here. You know, we're obviously being duped to a large extent. And, And it's a really tough subject to talk about because, you know, it really, you know, in a lot of ways, I think it's weaponized people's empathy, you know, because it's it's made it so if you disagree with this stuff, then you must not care about vulnerable people, you know. Right. And so it gets really tough to even bridge the gap when you've talked to somebody who's really, you know, afraid or just taking it taking COVID really seriously. And it's not to say that nobody's gotten sick or died, but if you talk to the somebody about the flu, it's not going to be a real contentious conversation usually. You know, nobody's hiding away in the, in their homes for the flu or wearing masks everywhere because it's flu season and we've just sort of, it's been part of our life forever. So why is this so much different, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they even ran that simulation, uh, event 201, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, there's, you know, you can find that it's, that's a real thing. And, um, And in the simulation, they there's a lot of uh, acting, uh, you know, simulated uh, responses to the narrative in the media, mm. and even how we're going to deal with people who don't believe it and things like that. And my thing is like, why didn't you just prepare with like all the things that would be necessary, like masks and things like? Why wouldn't you prepare that? build up that strength rather than worry about like the narrative and that that to me tells me something too because it's always a narrative warfare you know i think it was what plato that said that if you control the the narrative you control society you know and Mm. it's really like if those who own the stories own reality and i think for a lot of people it's just too heavy and traumatic to come to the realization that uh, the world as they know it is not the world as they've known it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think even for people like you and I, who obviously have a different perspective on this stuff, like if I saw numbers, you know, statistics, and saw the impact in communities around me to prove to me that this was a real... Um, not just like a bad flu season, but like a real pandemic that we need to do like really severe, potentially really severe response to, then yeah, I would feel a lot differently about it. But the fact that the the data doesn't match up with what the storyline is, I think that's why people are so... It's not like you need to control the narrative if there's a real pandemic, because people are going to respect it. They're going to be scared. They're going to understand that something serious is going on. But if Mm -hmm. you're just going to bullshit people and try to ratchet up cases by testing tons of healthy people and do all this silliness, it's like when there's a flu season. If everybody went and got tested for the flu it would seem insane, you know, like, oh my God, millions of people, there's millions of cases of the flu, what's going on? But nobody gets tested for the flu, you know? Even when you're sick, you don't get tested. So it's just, you know, I feel like they kind of came out so strong with the PR move, you know, with the flatten the curve and the social distancing and the masks and all, it was a whole package, you know, it was like a graphic design bundle or something, Mm -hmm. not graphic design, but you know what I mean? It really felt like an advertising pitch. 
right. it got so stuck into people's minds right away and that initial fear of it that it's like it just becomes this thing where you know to really question it there's so much cognitive dissonance because we haven't right there's been nothing like this as far as even in a terrible flu season it's like people don't even really realize that it's that bad or talk about it at all so yeah it just seems odd that all of a sudden it's like well if you're not wearing a mask everywhere you must be a selfish piece of trash you know <laughs> yeah 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 it, it's uh it's pretty wild i mean it is a, a PR move, you know, one of my like favorite uh, books, Propaganda by Edward Bernays, written in 1928. Mm. There's like a really impactful quote from that book where he talks about the, the minds of the masses molded by the people in the shadows that we never see, <laughs> that we never know. Our thoughts, our opinions, our behaviors, everything that we do is influenced by a tiny group of people that, uh, that the average person has, has no idea about. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 even more powerful, enabled by the sort of technology that we have today, where things can move so quickly, you know. And you know, to get to your back to your point also about the the severity of it, <clears throat> you know, there's something that uh, that I do that's called having like a feeling or an intuition, <laughs> you know. And it's like when I go outside and I walk around, I'm not seeing what's like. I'm not seeing bodies dropping in the streets. I'm not seeing I've driven by the hospital plenty of times and I'm not seeing like ambulances rushing in and like and then you you know people on the other other side could say, "Well, it's it's not really like that." You know, there's all these things that you can do to justify it and to make it seem like it's uh that I that I'm missing something. But to me, uh it doesn't feel like we're in this like great virus tragedy that's that's attacking us and mm -hmm. uh um, just, just, just by simply going outside and just going to the stores and walking around, I, I you know, I, I don't well, know. And, and I mean, when the, the straight up data from the, even the corrupt organizations are showing that most relatively healthy people will probably be completely asymptomatic you know, and not even know that they have it, or if they do have some sort of symptoms, it's probably going to be pretty minor and they're going to be just fine, you know? And if yeah. if the people who are having severe reactions are mostly people who are basically already sick, wouldn't they also have severe reactions probably from the flu or from an infection or from pneumonia or from you know, whatever. And if there's this increased fear and sensitivity towards like thinking that things are, are COVID, you know, what's happening if are some of the normally, you know, things that would have normally been categorized as pneumonia or flu now just being considered COVID, mm. you know what right, I mean? Right. Because well, then that creates a whole nother wrinkle where it's like, yeah, how many of these people would have been sick and died normally and we never would have thought sec you know and thought about it like obviously it affects the families and the people close to them but i think people tend to forget that like every day people are dying all around the world from all sorts of different causes so it's not like some right. crazy new thing that people are dying you know right right and let's not forget that medical error is the third leading cause yeah. of death in the united states me like me medical error yeah you know and it was funny because i i went to 
we have a tendency to think that the science that we have now is the be-all and end-all, that it's the apotheosis of human thought, right? I went to the dentist the other day, last week, actually, and uh, I was signing this thi- the, the forms that you do to, you know, before going in, and I ha- my eye happened to catch a piece of it, because I don't really read all of it. It's like three pages or whatever. But mm-hmm. My eye happened to catch a piece of something that said, you understand that dentistry is not a complete you know, finalized science that, you know, blah, 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 that things could go wrong or we might have to ask mm. you to come back. And I was like, well, yeah, that's what's, that's what science is. It's like, we think we've got the best that we can do. And now we have to keep pushing forward and asking questions and making mistakes and trial and error and experimentation and theories and hypotheses and testing those things. Um, and then also the thing about the tests, the tests, uh, itself does not diagnose the novel coronavirus. It's it, even the uh, the inventor of the test says the same thing. He's like that. This is not like it's not foolproof. And the the thing about the comorbidities, as you were mentioning, people that already have pre existing conditions, people that are elderly, senior citizens, that those those types of people. And then there's also um, the labeling of a COVID death. Where many government officials have come out on video at like press conferences, you could see. I think that uh, forget the one that I'm thinking of, but the the woman, I believe it was in Chicago, was like saying. Uh, the question was like, so if somebody, it, or, or no, she she made the statement. She said, uh, yeah. So if you you know were hit by a car and then you were taken into the hospital and then you were found to have COVID and that patient had passed away, you would that would be labeled as a COVID death. Mm-hmm. I was like. Okay, like what? <laughs> yeah. And so we're using these tests that don't actually detect the coronavirus and isolate it as the coronavirus. They're not meant to. Uh, there's the comorbidity, you know, thing, the pre-existing conditions, and then there's also so so anybody that ha- like that just that makes no absolutely no sense. And they're just coming right out and saying it. Yeah, yeah. Some guy was shot down at the protest, but we found out that he had COVID. So don't worry, it's not. You know, it's not, it's not, he didn't die from a bolt wound, he died from COVID. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. And, you know, there's financial incentive for hospitals to mark patients as COVID right. patients, you know. And if you put a, a patient on a ventilator, you get even more money. And so there's incentives that just capitalize on human nature, you know. Like, these hospitals are capitalist, you know, organizations like everything else. You know, if they're private hospitals, they need to make money. Um, so, of course, if if they if it's as simple as like, yeah, this guy's you know got cancer, he's going to die from cancer, but we tested him with this PCR, which, like you're saying, the inventor of the PCR test, Kerry Mullis, it says apparently right in the pamphlet that this should not be used as a diagnostic tool. Um, that it's not for testing, it's for other purposes. Anyways, we're using it for a test. And so if you can test the guy and say he's got COVID and you get whatever it is, you know, $20,000 more dollars or, or whatever it might be, wouldn't you probably do that? You know what I mean? Like most people are probably going to do that. Just like a lot of people are probably taking unemployment right now because they can get it because of covid and they might not actually need it or they could maybe get a job or do more work but if it's there people are usually just gonna take it you know um That's so right. it doesn't yeah. have to be it's not nefarious at every single level it's right. like there, That's key right there there yeah. can be certain nefarious things from the top that get sort of disseminated and then 
it's just capitalizing on human nature, fears and and scarcity mentality and all of, all of this sort of stuff. And and it, on top of all of that, even if okay, let's say give them the benefit of the doubt. This is you know a pretty severe. Uh, illness. It's a lot different than the flu. We don't understand it. It's different. It's always changing. There's a hundred different strains, blah, blah, blah. Let's say all that stuff is true. Well, then what about the, the fact that like, we're assuming then that the response that's been, you know, dictated to us through the CDC and the World Health Organization is the best form of response. You know, like, who's to say it is? Because I don't think the science is settled. There hasn't ever been lockdowns practiced. There's all sorts of dissenting opinions about it, even from extremely intelligent and, you know, accredited individuals. And this response is coming from organizations that, and not just those specific organizations, but an entire structure that has been consistently wrong about responses to almost everything. I mean, right. look yes, at right. look right. at like you know. I'm sure the the EPA still says it's okay to use Roundup, you know, glyphosate, and it's absolutely destroying uh, the land and destroying our health. And right. you know, or look back throughout history, like doctors used to smoke in hospitals. People said, right. you know, there was lead paint, there was mercury and things. You know, like the opioid response to pain you know that's opioids are just being handed out so i could probably think of a million different examples but what i'm trying to say is obviously on a holistic level these major institutions are corrupt they're on an old paradigm they're failing their responses are generally out of step with the newest you know most effective um science and not only science but just um you know, paradigms of human health and, and wellness. So why would we assume that even if the pandemic is bad, that their response is is the correct response to employ? So kind of a long-winded way to say to say that, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, it's just, you. they lie. <laughs> yeah. like, because the, 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 the incentive structure that we have is so perverse that we, you know, it all boils down again, like why I'm, I'm such a fan of, of Charles and other people that kind of talk about the Eisenstein and, and talk about that kind of work is the fact that like, you know, we, everything that we have created is sort of just eating us alive. And if we're going to be, if we're going to live in that kind of environment that we have to then sort of adapt or die in a certain kind of sense. So the people that are willing to say, like, I'll participate in predatory and parasitical, perverse incentive structures in order to sort of, you know, get mine. It, like you were saying, it doesn't have to be nefarious all the way because it, it's not. You know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are, but it's just like it's a simple matter of like, hey, uh, do you want to have more money, power, control, safety, and uh, better access to things? All right, cool. So this is the flow. This is the way that the incentive structure is directing us to go. And uh, you know, some people don't even question it. They don't have like it's just you're just in that. Yeah. Can you actually, Jacob? Can you yeah. hold on one second? There's a some noise that just happened. Hold on. No problem.
Alright, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, yeah, so um, the yeah perverse incentive structures, right? Uh, do you mm-hmm. know uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger by any chance? I don't think so, actually. Yeah, he ha- he's great. He's a great thinker, and he has a blog called Civilization Emerging. Um, and he talks about the fact that we, we, we exist in this world where we have rivalrous games, and we have exponential technology. So the technology is not going to stop. The technology is just going to keep evolving. So we better figure out a way to like not have these rivalrous games. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the comp, the, the, with, with rivalrous games and exponential tech, we're going to blow ourselves up. And so that's, that's sort of the trajectory that I feel like we're, we're heading in. And, the, and a lot of people don't see that. They just see the immediate gain of what the system is providing for the now. And so that, that's why I... That's why I don't like separate what's happening with co- like with COVID as like well this is a health issue this is a science thing it's like no it's a it's a political civilizational yes. consciousness type thing you know I totally agree yeah that's a great point it really is like uh, the the thing that I've kind of come to through my digging into this stuff and this has been the silver lining for me is it's really sort of just helped like. It's helped me. Um, it's helped push me further into just a new paradigm, you know, a new paradigm of even understanding um, disease and illness and health and wellness. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty much fully on board with the terrain theory idea, you know, the idea that um, these viruses or bacteria aren't um, aren't these sinister beings well for for example viruses aren't even alive they're just genetic material with protein around it um but that they're not floating around here with some sinister motive of just making people sick and killing them right it's you know in general nature is um always striving for biodiversity and it wants more and more life it wants to keep things alive it doesn't want to kill things, you know. Um, so that these bacteria and viruses are actually responses to generally to stress in the environment or f- stress in the person or an imbalance of some type. So when you say like we have bad bacteria in our gut, it's not necessarily that the bacteria are bad. You might experience them as bad if your gut is imbalanced and you have an overgrowth of a certain variety. That's really its purpose is to try to reestablish balance in the environment you know yeah and so obviously that's a rabbit hole there's a lot of other people talking about it and um but really it feels to me like if you're ready to start seeing things that way it'll resonate with you if you're not it'll probably just sound like crackpot stuff or some hippie woo woo pseudoscience right but it really feels like that's where we're headed like it's a new paradigm that's emerging and we're people like you and i which i think you you're into this stuff as well yeah well i I just i just know that you know like our bodies i just got a cut on my 
arm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's starting to heal. It's like it's scabbing up, you know. Um, our bodies, if, if we are healthy, if we take care of ourselves, if we give ourselves the things that we need, really, that we really, really need, um, the proper nutrition, the proper social uh, nutrition, mm. right? Like we, we need each other. We need to be in, in connection with other people and physical connection with other people. So all the things that I, I see as already before COVID happened, we were already on a trajectory of living in a more separated, mm-hmm. isolated, sick, dumbed down, diseased, and fearful world mediated by technology mm-hmm. and all of the promises and allure that that can provide. Now, this COVID pandemic or pandemic has um, <clears throat> effectively exacerbated that, that uh, ideology yeah. and expedited it. To, to bring us more into the sort of uh, technocratic, oligarchic, sort of dystopian world that masks itself in this ideological camouflage of progress and technology and uh, the future and innovation and safety and security, mm-hmm. uh, which I just think is just all a bunch of bullshit because... You know, you have this sort of neo-Hobbesian view that life before the state was cruel, brutish, short, nasty, yeah. violent. And th- since that time, since the dawn of civilization and the advent of agriculture, which is also the birth of slavery, we have been fed the story that we would be a bunch of useless peons running around gnawing each other's arms off <laughs> in, in chaotic frenzy for survival uh, if we didn't have uh, a ruling power to guide us and uh, to to provide health and safety for us, so you need in that in that system, uh, you need a series of uh, events and 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 traumatic events and 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 things like that in order for that system to then justify its existence, to legitimize itself, in, you know, in its existence. And this is not crackpot crazy conspiracy stuff this is declassified documents that you can go back and look at from operation northwoods where there there was a false flag that wanted to blame a uh, a a plane being flown into a building i think it it was uh by by the cuban government among other things they had all these ideas so that we would have an excuse to go in um and just again just like so much stuff operation mockingbird operation paperclip and like It's just such a shame that when you start talking about these things that most people will shut down, put you into the camp of Q or call you right wing or crazy. And it's like, look, guys, like th- this is this is real. You know, we, we can actually combat this if we are able to be a little bit open and curious about this kind of stuff and and be more willing to surrender into the trust of our own bodies, our own minds, our own intuition, and the people that we know and love and care about. There's a lot of people that their families are divided, you know, their their friends are divided, things like that. So, yeah. You know, and and it's just like we it, it shouldn't be this way. We should be banding together. And 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 of course the the power elites know that that strength is in unity and division is the key to conquering yeah i mean divide and conquer is a well-known <laughs> phrase for a reason you know i mean it's been going on for for a long time it's funny um you know talking about those uh different um 
operations and stuff you were talking about. Um, the Gulf of Tonkin, I think, is one that right. That was an actual yeah. false flag event that was carried actual carried false out, flag right? Event. Yep. Yeah. Gulf of Tonkin, the lie that got us involved in the Vietnam War. It wasn't even the Vietnam War. It was the fucking Vietnam invasion. Mm. You know, the Vietnam murder. We we just there was no reason for us to be there, but you get. You know the PR, the PR, the 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 narrative, and, and you had a lot of people fighting against that. And you know, um, forgive me if I go on a little bit of a, a, a rant here, but mm -hmm. I just, you know, that time was so crucial in our in our existence as a country because you had a lot of people waking up to the to seeing through the veil, waking up to the illusion, the the world that had been created after World War II was this really romantic, idealistic world of the American dream, you know? And it was this whole thing. And the sort of the beat movement and then the hippie movement sort of, when people started getting turned on, you know, LSD definitely having a, a, a major part in that, there was such a, a mass awakening where people were looking at the the society that they and the culture that they had been enmeshed in and saying, this doesn't work for me at all. And the separation beca became so huge between the sort of normal straight society and then the turned on hippie society. The gap was enormous. And it was like we wanted to be in this other kind of world and protesting against the Vietnam War and, and civil rights and all that, all this stuff. Um, and I can't help but think today that we've lost a little bit of that like rebellious spark that um, – and I, and, and I think a large part of the psychedelic community is afraid to speak up and speak out about things that question the establishment narrative because they're working with the establishment, so to speak. You know, they're working with the, the government to try and get these things legal and approved, which is good work for sure. But it's also I don't want to live in a world where this all becomes subsumed by this machine and then we're just in this like brave new world sort of thing. And it's like, don't worry about mm -hmm. it. We could have endless wars. We can have, you know, rampant capitalism and abusive predatory systems as long as we have psychedelic healing. I just wanted to pop in and thank you for listening and give you a couple ways you can help support Awake, Aware, Alive. Head over to jacobgossel.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-G-O-S-S-E-L.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and click the Patreon button. There you can become a patron of Awake Aware Alive for as little as one buck a month, and you'll get extra goodies. There's also a PayPal and Venmo button where you can leave a one-time donation. Or there's an Amazon button. You click that, it takes you to what looks like a normal Amazon page. You bookmark it, buy anything you want through that link, and we get a very small cut with no extra charge to you. The last way to support the show is by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, preferably five stars, and a little blurb about what you think about the show. Lastly, if you don't want to do any of that, please just uh, listen, share it with a friend, share it with a family member, somebody who you think might uh, benefit from this information or think it's interesting. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so then, you know, what... Sorry, I know I kind of just went went off there. But... No, that's perfect. And it makes me... It brings up a point for me that's like... Well, for one, I feel like... You know, the psychedelic thing, it's hard to say because obviously the government, you know, with MK Ultra and different things, like they have experienced experimented with using psychedelics for mind control. Um, 
that uh, crazy book came out about Charles Manson basically being a CIA operative and having um, they were doing LSD experiments on him, and then he you know was carrying out different obviously LSD kind of experiments of his own with his followers and all of this stuff. So I don't know, you know, that's that could go down a huge rabbit hole of if if that stuff could be going on. But my instinct is more to think that, you know, that in a lot of ways the psychedelics kind of, even though they are working within the, the system, that inevitably it is one of the things that's fueling the breakdown of the system at the same time. You know, not only people, you know, going through the system to use it, but just it becoming more in the zeitgeist and people having more mind-expanding experiences, whether with psychedelics or holotropic breathing or Wim Hof or, you know, any of these things that people are using to kind of just, like, step outside of themselves for a moment. Um and, you know, like some of these power grabs and these the intensification of this stuff and the amount of people that are catching on at this point, like there are there are huge communities of people that are share the views that we have about this stuff. And right. it almost feels like, is this sort of the purging of some of this energy? Like, is it coming to light so that it can actually um, be released? And so we can move on to a time where there's less control and and dominance and you know all of this stuff and and maybe i'm being an optimist there but um good i i I wonder that you know what i mean because (laughs) it does kind of feel in some ways like the darkness has to come out and be looked at to be released yeah and if it just keeps happening under the radar and obviously there are it's still under the radar for many people but i think this is like watching 9-11 play out in real time to right. where the the people who are trying to expose the corruption are doing it as it's happening, you know, right. which maybe that was happening a little bit in 2001. I don't know because I was, you know, 19 years old or whatever. No, that can't be right because I was in high school. You're, but, yeah, you're, you're probably like 16, right? Something. Yeah, that makes more sense. I don't know. Anyways, I was young enough to be in high school and to not really know about you know, I wasn't following any governmental corruption stuff at that time. I didn't r- realize any of that stuff existed. I didn't think anything of it. But, yeah. um, but you know, I didn't notice till years later that there was anybody who had questioned it. And um, But now it's, like, so prevalent that it's dividing the entire country, the fact that people are questioning it. So I feel like that's overall got to be a really positive sign that, um, I mean, imagine... Now, if somebody, if, you know, people tried something like this in another two years or five years or ten years, if you um, extrapolate what we're going through now, you'd have to think that the overwhelming majority of people would be calling bullshit. You know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that that's, yeah, in a a sense, we have a, a tremendous amount of trauma in the collective, you know, it's like we've been we've sort of been, you know, beaten down and abused like mm. in, in, in many ways, whether it's lies about food and nutrition and glyophosphate and uh, the food pyramid and sugar and trans fat or whatever, yeah. whatever. Pick your pick your <laughs> deception, pick your lie, pick your corruption. It's everywhere. You know, we don't like big 
centralized control in our businesses, in our stores, uh, in our um, farms and things like that? Why would we want it in our science and our government and our medical establishment? So uh, it's really, you know, fear is, is, is a big motivator. And there's a lot of people who have been thankfully doing the work and, and having non-ordinary states and 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 working through the shadow and working through the trauma and and working through the fear on an individual level, which also ties into the collective as well, and um, and thankfully able to sort of pierce the veil and have a little bit of a microphone out there to say, hey, like come look at what I'm seeing. Do you see it this way too? Because I think that's the best method. That's the best approach is is to try. How can I? I, I struggle with this a lot. It's like how can I? compassionately invite people into the conversation um, because I, I don't believe that that people just sort of wake up by like calling them sheep and yelling at them and you know so uh, yeah although I, I used to do that <laughs> yeah. um, you know years ago I used to do that because I thought well I I if I just tell people this they'll just they'll just believe it because it's like you know I discovered something that that's yeah. true yep um, but it's not the case because we we do want to live in a world that's comfortable, you know, to a certain degree. And that, uh, that doesn't involve a lot of, uh, mass shatterings of yeah. our <laughs> like reality construction. Yeah. Cause it's, it, it is, it, it's not difficult. So we are in a time that the shadow has come up. We are in a time where all of the sort of trauma has come up. We are in like a dark time but just like a psychedelic trip where you could have a, a dark period through the trip, if you are prepared to navigate through that, there's something beautiful on the other side. Mm, yep. So, you know, what has been your, you know, more practical or uh, daily response to this stuff sort of been? Because... Um, you know, I think that could be another one of the silver linings of all of this stuff is, you know, it seems like it's pushing people one way or the other. And obviously, I know, you know, we know now what all of your thoughts and opinions are about what's going on. But what's the response? You know, like, where do you go from here? Obviously, speaking out about it is important. But what else do you think, you know, for yourself you know, for yourself, what have you come to of, well, okay, we know all this now. Like, let's say somebody does go through the process of, let's say they watch uh, Who is Bill Gates by, uh, you know, James Corbett. And, James Corbett, yeah. Corbett yeah, Corbett. and they uh, Excellent work. Yeah. check out the Plandemic documentary or David E. Martin's work, and they check out Kelly Brogan and they, Sergi and Thomas Cowan and Andrew Kaufman and, you know, go on and on there's plenty of different sources out there that people can can check out and this isn't to say that who knows they might not all be a hundred percent true or whatever that's for people to decide obviously i would never uh, tell people what to what to think or what to consume but um but if they do happen to check all that stuff out and they're convinced and they feel totally defeated and and paranoid and angry and you know it's like obviously those things aren't going to help we're just fueling the situation with more negative energy um but so then it's like what do you do you know like what's the proper response to any of this stuff i mean or what have you found for yourself like what what do you feel like what's changing for you if anything yeah so it's a combination between like paranoid 
crazy, um, you know, craziness and like positive, everything is perfect, all will be well, you know, because sort of a combination of both. But, but no, for for me, it's it just it just solidifies sort of. Um, well, I don't even know if that that's the right word to use, but it it, it just makes it more real that the the path that I want to be on. Uh, it, it's not this abstract thing in the future that like someday I'll get to or something. It's just like, okay, I've been sort of talking shit about having my own plot of land and having my own garden and growing my own food and, and doing all this stuff. And it's like, uh, th- this just makes it more immediate how crucial that is to have um, just to, to, to be healthy to to have good social connections, to be more immersed in nature, and to be less dependent on uh, centralized uh, institutions and systems, and to be more um, to be living more in the way that I feel uh, is 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 natural for for me. Uh, so I try and um, I just try and do those things. So you know, I've been growing some food. Got some tomatoes and things like that, and so it's just. You know, I think we talked about this when you were on my show, yep. sort of like a back to the land type of thing. So that that is what I'm trying to say is that's always been not always, but it, for the last like ten years, I've I've always sort of been like, yeah, that's kind of where I want to be. I kind of want to be in that. That's what makes me feel alive. That makes that's what makes me feel good, and that makes me feel like I'm really nourished spiritually and physically and mentally to be in situations that are. In, uh, in in good harmony and balance with the natural world. Yep. Um, so so I just I'm just trying to do more of those things. And uh, you know, my girlfriend and I are looking at like places maybe that we can move to in like southwestern Colorado, away from the cities. Because you look at what's happening, and it's just like the the homeless situation in Denver has exploded. There's like tent cities everywhere. Um, there's you know, when the protests were going on, the police were using really aggressive force and uh, there's just a lot of crazy stuff and now everything is like boarded up and you have all these rules and restrictions. So it's like, well, what's the appeal of a city really anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I don't even really see it here. Can't go to live shows, can't go to things. So it, it just makes it more immediate that the, the, the ideas that I have to be more in nature, more with the land and have more of a uh, less technology and more people in my life uh, that that makes it more immediate for me. So I'm I'm working on on that uh, every day to try and get to the, to to that. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, and it's it's interesting because it sounds like you probably had a similar feeling as I did, and I'm sure plenty of people had this of um, you know like yeah, I'll live in the city. I'll kind of follow my dreams, and once I get my sort of career like built up to a certain point, then I see myself moving out to the country and and you know being in nature and you know maybe growing food and doing this these things. Um, and it's more of like an abstract idea that's um, you know once you get to a certain point, then you can do that. But yeah, this really makes it feel like okay screw that like the time is now like time is now why not yeah. like what am i doing if not here now when yeah. yeah exactly yeah and it it brings up a conversation i had with a friend the other day which i thought was really interesting is you know i find myself pushing pretty hard for this kind of stuff there's plenty of more 
uh, that I could do, but I kind of feel like I can personally, you know, see that this stuff isn't going to end anytime soon. If, if the COVID stuff kind of ends, I don't think the social unrest is going to, I don't think the, you know, meth, the, uh, uh, the push for increased control and surveillance and these types of things. I don't think that's going to end anytime soon. I think the we're still being bombarded with toxic chemicals and um, electromagnetic radiation and all of these things in, in big cities. So, And obviously the social structures such as the political uh, system are just completely failing to cope with the changes in our society. So... I feel like this is just the beginning of a process of breakdown of the current mainstream paradigm and sort of the rebuilding of the of the new paradigm. So I want to be in this new paradigm as much as possible um, starting now. But yeah. I have this in myself, and, and I have a friend who is a little bit more secure. He's got a good job that's, you know, he's working at a solar field, so he's not, um, you know, he's essential it's not affected by COVID. He's got a baby, and so a one-year-old, and so he needs to provide for her. He's got a pretty developed routine. He doesn't have a ton of free time to be like starting um, food operations and all sorts of different things. But he sees things the same way I do, and he knows it's important, and he wants to do it, and he wants to live in more community and have more, like, purpose as far as, like, I'm growing my food. I'm not working a job to make money to buy food. But he's sort of secretly hoping things continue to get worse so that he has an excuse to kind of bail on his job and do this stuff. And I just wonder how many people out there feel the same way even if they don't know it and how much this is sort of a collective manifestation of like we're creating a force to push us in the direction that we ultimately want to go but aren't really willing to uh make that choice consciously yeah. does that make sense it totally makes sense i think so yeah i think i because i mean it totally makes sense and i think that is what's happening yeah you know because it is like if you look most people most people don't change until they absolutely have to. Mm. And most most laws and rules and things like that don't really uh they don't get created until shit has hit the fan. And then it's like, oh, "Okay, fine, we'll do something. We'll try and do something about this." Or if, you know, the people are up in arms and and demanding like we have to we have to make a change here. Uh yeah, I, I I just think that the the best you could do is is just sort of try and just do what you feel is 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 right for you, and then you know what I'm hoping to do is like sort of set up a, a little you know lifestyle that's that's as I just explained, and then have it's just there. So if if other people are like, oh cool, he's doing that now, I want to do it, or I want to go there and visit and see what it's like, or, yep. or something <laughs> something in that and yeah, in, the, in that way. Uh, I think it's definitely we definitely need people to other people to inspire other people to sort of give people permission as well to yeah. say like you don't have to do these kind of standard conventional things uh, that there are other ways and it's not like I'm moving to the woods and I'm gonna just disavow technology and become a luddite but it's like I want to learn how to have more balance because we've never this is talk about unprecedented times we've never lived in the in a world where we're being consistently 
constantly attacked every single day from every angle. It's draining. Yeah. It takes energy out of you. It takes energy out of you to conform to the incentive structure of survival that we have, you know, in a in a in a crony capitalist uh, world. That it's like everything you ha you either conform to this or you suffer. And it's like not not only that, but everything that we've mentioned. It's just we're constantly being bombarded. Do you know about the 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 helpless dog experiment? I don't think so. Mm -mm. It was this experiment. I forgot who conducted it, but it's a sick experiment um, because they electrocute dogs, <laughs> and <laughs> they have they have dogs in. There's like an elect uh, uh, electrified floor, and there's a dog in one room, and every time. There's like a, uh, a noise, then there's also a shock. The mm -hmm. floor, it's like noise, shock, noise, shock. Then in the other room, there's random shock, noise, just are random. And they don't, cor they're not at the same time. They just happen chaotically at all, all times. So obviously, the, you know, this is what the study proves. It seems pretty obvious <laughs> to me. But is that the, the dog where he didn't know when the shock or the noise was coming that he was way more traumatized than the yeah. one that knew. And so we're living in a world right now where we, we don't know what's happening. This is not like our ancestors didn't live in this world. They knew their environment. They knew the trees. They knew the birds. They knew the people. They knew the land. They knew the rivers. They knew the winds. They knew, they knew when things were going on. Oh, looks like there's something wrong with the the fish or you know uh, oh that's common that happens every couple years you know they just they had a knowledge of their environment and their surroundings and it was predictable and we live in a very unpredictable world where we're being bombarded and attacked by like be afraid of this be afraid of that watch out for this watch out for that on every level so it, it's no wonder that we see what we what we're seeing and i think that the the sort of chaos that that is ensuing needs to sort of happen we have to like bleed the wound and until we uh, enough people feel like okay finally i can feel free of of this yeah what you just said reminded me of the other day i had um this guy named sam thayer i talked to him and he's a pretty well-known forager and he's written some really popular books on foraging and he's just all around just sort of like a <laughs> I mean, he's a very unique dude, and he's super cool. He he, uh, you know, he lives um, very minimally. He's got an off-grid solar setup. He burns wood for heat. He's got amazing all of these plots of fruit fruit trees and uh, wild edibles all around his property, and he cans and and processes wild foods and sells them on his website. And he does like weekend foraging classes and all of this stuff and. One of the things he said while we were talking was that he feels like there's this really intense like striving in our culture and this feeling of, you know, needing more and needing something that they don't have and just always kind of feeling uncomfortable and frustrated and you know, he said he feels like, you know, for the most part that's due to this lack of connection that we have with nature that nature is like this um, and I'm going a little bit into my own words here, but almost like a friend or an elder or somebody that we would, something that we would commune with on a daily basis and understand the relationships between, like you're saying, the animals and the ecosystem or the weather and the crop production or different things where we would 
just be so in tune where it was like we were constantly communicating in some way with the land, with the environment, um, and and with the stars and with all of these things where it's such a deep, fulfilling connection that's sort of infinite, you know, that's always changing, it's always different, and there's always more to learn. To take that away from people, I can see how, I mean, it's like losing a parent or a, a lover, you know what I mean? Like, it's a very impactful thing that we find ourselves um, sort of feeling this emptiness and we don't really know why. And I do agree that that seems like it could be a huge part of our problem is just having been disconnected from that. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it, it's the the wanting to fill that missing piece that we all feel, that everybody feels, you know? And, and there's a certain attitude to look at the natural world as a sort of, um, you know, as like a spectator, you know, or a collector. Like, oh, I went to a national park and I observed the beauty and, and then I took a bunch of pictures and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to collect that for my experience. Mm -hmm. But it's like, what, what is the... What's what's what what is the deeper relationship that we can have? You know, what can that provide? And I've experienced that uh, through my time in in the the Amazon jungle, and also just in all the times that I've been on psychedelics in nature. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> no, but that, but it, it definitely helped because it's like, oh, the the natural world is communicating with me, and I am communicating with it as as. As much as I participate in walking through this forest, this forest is also observing me walking through it as well. And I know it again, it, it sounds to the sort of regular person like, oh, what are you talking about? Whatever. But it's like there's information everywhere we go, there's stories to be told everywhere we go. And to me, that kind of world is richer. And, and, and that really, the satisfaction that I would get from cooking my own meal from food that I grew versus just ordering something on Uber Eats or whatever and having it delivered, it's a completely different kind of, of, of satisfaction. And I, once experiencing that over and over again about how satisfying it is to, to build and to make and to help other people too with their, with their things and, and receive help, it, it, there's more richness in that there's more of a bonding experience there's more of a story in that than just being isolated separated and just uh, you know with the click of a button purchasing whatever i need not to say that those things can't be okay as well but if that's all we're relying on is just that then it's just it's like why even we don't even need each other we just get everything i need from amazon stay inside and what's the problem here? You know, yep. but there's that there's that hole that uh, that that we're all trying to fill, and we take that that desire to fill that hole and put it into whatever the thing that is like, you know, that we're involved in, whether it's like accounting or you know social media or whatever. Yeah, and it it makes me wonder. Like, um, it makes me wonder about obviously you're feeling stuff like this i am i think there's plenty of other people i've noticed um that are sort of craving this deeper connection with nature and getting back to the land and all and all of this um but at the same time there's sort of a doubling down of the the technocracy of this 
push towards AI and the singularity and, you know, neural networks and all of, all of this stuff. And I, I just listened to this Ben Gertzel guy on London Real the other day. He's a AI developer and pretty cool guy. And he, he, he himself lives in like a, in a country community in Hong Kong. So he's in nature. He has a lot of respect in, for nature. And it sounds like he spends a lot of time sort of grounding and, and being in nature. But he's also talking about this potential future where we could essentially just live in uh, in simulated realities if we want to. For the most part, we could, you know, 3D print babies or, th- you know, 3D print anything because it's working with, like, actual molecules or something. So we could just 3D print, like, anything that exists, food, anything, and all these different things. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, are people like us just sort of idealizing this stuff? And is the next generation not going to give a shit about nature and getting back to nature and growing their own food? And are they just going to, you know, then the generations to come after that, is that where things are headed? Or is this advancement in technology and AI going to lead to sort of a, which we can, one could argue is potentially already happening right now, but some sort of collective nervous breakdown to where people do have to like, there's not really as much of a choice as like, yeah, we have to ground. We got to get back to the land. We got to get back to nature and then reassess where we're headed with all this technology, you know, or, you know, I just kind of, those are ideas I think about quite a bit and debate in my mind. Like, is there an inherent negative to these, you know, intense technological and artificial intelligence, intelligence futures or um do we have to have this balance with nature because ultimately you know technology is part of nature if you want (laughs) to if you want to think of it that way i mean this is all part of nature and god and none of this is separate from from life so i just wonder um i don't know if you have anything to to go off on that but those are just things that i've been thinking about yeah well we get to decide you know, I think we we get to choose um, the sort of wor- like now more than ever. The opportunity is clear that we get to choose which reality that we want to participate in and 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 contribute to and vote for. You know, I I, I don't really see much change happening from traditional style like election federal election type voting i don't think change comes from within the system i think change comes from outside and that change that can come from outside uh can have a diversity of uh, appealing alternatives that people could say oh cool you know i i would like to be i would like to think that i i live my life in in a way where i'm trying to balance the use of my technology and nature, right? Like Douglas Rushkoff is, you know, <clears throat> with his book Team Human and sort of what he advocates is like, let's let's take all the cool things about technology and make it really just work for us. So we're not like we're not serving it. We're not just being harvested and, and data mined and all this stuff. And and in this virtual world that's just sucking our souls away and we feel good we feel bad and we're depressed and people that work for Google and stuff need to get PTSD counseling and therapy. It's like, well, we don't want to be destroying ourselves. Is that true? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. People that do social media moderation uh, have to, I think, have p- 
paid for therapy, oh, wow. you know, because they suffer tremendously. Same thing with, um, you know, the, the pilots that operate drones, yeah. uh, because it's, because it's so abstract. It's so, you're so separated from the reality of what's happening. Uh, there's a different kind of trauma that comes from that. Right. I mean, it's like, yep. it, it's a different kind of trauma and, 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 and I, and I think that for me, when I think about all this stuff, AI and virtual reality and augmented reality and mixed reality and Neuralink and cyborg stuff and ships and planets and space and, fly, you know, all that, it's like, it's, it's cool, but it's like, what are, we, what are we willing to do? What are we willing to sacrifice as human beings uh, to get to that point? And also, why are we getting to that point? Yeah. Where does it end? Yeah. What do we... What's the ultimate goal here? Because to me, that way of thinking is the linear model of perpetual progress that, that just, it doesn't, like we all experience that in our regular lives. We see the stories of the celebrities who made it big and got all the yes. money and got all the toys and got all the things only then to have a crisis moment and, and be like, what does it all mean? This is, you know, so why are we embarking on that collective mission as a civilization? Yes. We, you know, it's like, so I think we really need to wake up to a point where we say, oh, okay, nothing is inherently good or bad, that everything can be used as these tools of what we bring our intention and how we imbue it with a, a sort of meaning mm. and how do we want to use it? How do we want to relate to it? Um, and it's going to be tremendously hard, but I have, I have faith in humanity. I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to get there. I think we're going to go, we're in the midst of a really difficult time right now. Uh, and, and we're going to go through a really different, difficult and challenging experience. Um, but I do see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I think the harder we strive towards these things, more of this stuff will probably come up, it feels like to me, because it's sort of like, I don't know if you've experienced this, I experienced, you know, as I really hit my um, my strong desire to sort of fulfill my dreams, you know, and like manifest my dreams and, you know, have a podcast and be a musician and really sort of my um oh I, i'm loving the tracks that i've listened to so far by the way oh and thank the art, you and the artwork it's uh it's awesome dude so congrats on on putting that out it's it's super awesome thank you man appreciate that but yeah as i like um you know kind of transitioned from being all right with having like a stable job and doing my thing to really trying to um pursue dreams and be you know kind of use my individual will to uh, manifest my reality. It simultaneously seemed to bring up a lot of my um, trauma and things that I had underneath that sort of are the um, bridge between where you're at and why you've been comfortable with a stable job and the future you want. There's sort of a chasm there that you start to begin to become aware of as you travel in that direction, at least for my own sake. And I sort of feel like I I could see that being part of what's happening as a collective, is we've got this thing, we want to create AI, we want to do this stuff, we want to manifest these, you know, visions we have, um, and not even visions, but just sort of like desires. Um, but it's like, uh, life feels like it has this built-in mechanism of, protection to where it's 
got sort of an electric fence like it it's not going to allow you to get the thing you desire until you've purged yourself of the um maladaptive patterns that are keeping you from from achieving it does that make sense yeah totally and then when you do that it's like this gateway opens you know as joseph campbell would say uh when you follow your bliss doors open where there were only walls before mm-hmm. and i've experienced that to be true when i am able to uh say for example the last mushroom ceremony that i had for myself i like to do mushrooms at high doses in a ceremonial way and lots of things came up for me and i was able to have such a clear vision as to what they were and in funny enough it was like oh my god this little piece of trauma that i thought i dealt with there's still a remnant there that that was one degree to the left that I didn't inspect and mm. I didn't realize that that was guiding me to make these decisions to do these things so that the clarity gained is and, and it's able to sort of like take all this stuff that had been shoved into a closet that I was like oh, I'm going to clean that one day and it just comes out and it piles out and I'm like oh okay I guess I'm going to sort through it now and I'm able to sort through it and clear it all up then I'm able to start to move forward in the direction that I want to with such uh with 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 such ease i feel like and not to say that it's that it's easy but with more of a lighter foot forward yeah. you know and that lighter foot forward uh there's some kind of that inertia of putting myself forward in that way creates some kind you know it starts it starts the wheels of the synchronicity machine and it's like all right ramping up synchronicity <laughs> and th- and then things start to come into my orbit and i start to get into other things orbit and and it just sort of pieces together and it's like wow i'm feeling good so i think that there's there is truly something to that i think that uh you know a lot of the problems that we see a lot of the conflict is because we are unhealed from our deepest, deepest wounds, from our ancestors' generations, epigenetic, you know, trauma, and 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 even further back, that um, that that it's it, it's going to require uh, it's really going to require facing the that stuff that we don't that we don't like, and and I would say that to a large degree that we're seeing it play out in all of our systems and all of our institutions and all of our businesses in all of our value structures and all of the, the languages that we use and the images that we watch and everything that we see in here is, is all coming from a very uh, unhealed shadow traumatic realm. Yep. And, and, and we're looking at it. We're looking at it in the world and we're going, oh, we don't like that. Yeah. I hate I hate Donald Trump. I hate him. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, he sucks. I mean, he's not, you know, but I I also look at anybody that cuz I found this in myself too. Where's, you know, where's the that in me? Mm. Where like where is that part because I truly believe that we all have selfish parts of ourselves. We all have parts of ourselves that we don't really yeah. like, but it's but it's okay. It's a part of us. It doesn't mean that we are uh, attached to that particular sliver of identity it's just a part it's just a one little little piece and everybody has it and i think that um you know it, it reminds me of like when we bleep out curse words or hmm. you know I, I saw on like a i remember seeing on a billboard in new york one time it was like uh the the show this cop show it's like they don't give a f and then like asterisks <laughs> and stuff it's like 
why are we hiding that? Like it's it's like we can figure out what it means. Like we we deny reality to fit this sort of um, manicured, like protected, sanitized view. You know what I mean? You know what yep, I'm getting with this? I do. It's like we don't we don't want to admit that we're all we don't want to admit that we all have little pieces of monsters inside of us. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it it's so prevalent in the culture like you're saying there's such weird things that we just kind of take for granted but when you really inspect them it, like uh the fact that um you know, sex and nudity is so taboo, but violence is so prevalent. I mean, right. you can show your kid a movie where, you know, somebody gets their head cut off or people get shot and people don't think too much of it. But if you show your kid a movie with a sex scene or something or new, a bunch of nudity, it's going to be real taboo. And <laughs> that's just so, so twisted to me. Or even it's just so, to have yeah. a conversation with a, a kid about sex and sexuality and and genitals and calling genitals by their actual names not like oh it's your pee pee or it's your whatever <laughs> there's, there's just such a weird um but then everything is hyper sexualized you know kids are sexualized adult women are made to look like kids to be sexualized you know think of the britney spears and the christina aguilera's and I mean, I know that's a little beyond the times at this point, but you know what I'm trying to get at. Is- I know, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's a result of that sort of you know oppression. Mm. It's it's a it's like a result of this covering up, this not wanting to look at the shadow pieces, not wanting to look at the 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 bits that scare us or whatever. And it's like as a result. What happens is the thing that pops out on the other side, instead of a holistically healthy, well-integrated model of human nature, you know, that we get this this hyper-sexualized, this mm. hyper-aggressive binge drinking, this hyper-drug, you know, yes. all these coping mechanisms, as Gabor Mate would say, like these coping mechanisms that we use to, to, to deal with the world that we find ourselves in. And, um, yeah, I was just laughing because it's like, you're so right about that. You know, you could sit around the dinner table with your family and put on an episode of like the walking dead where zombies are literally like chewing people's faces (laughs) off, but like, Oh no, be careful. A woman's nipple is exposed. Like you can't see that little Johnny, you know, it's like like women get just berated for breastfeeding in public or something. It's like the most human act you could possibly do feed a child with your own body is somehow looked at to be like you know disgusting to some people or just to be should be hidden away in some way Um, right yeah hide it away don't show it that's not what we do that's not what is acceptable in polite society you know very puritanical right mm -hmm. like i mean there's there's definitely something to the fact that white european people seem to be uh have something in them that just isn't fully maybe it's maybe that's the case maybe other and i'm wildly speculating here i didn't read anything about this or anything i'm having like a you know just a stoner thought here but maybe that's the case is like in terms of individual healing and going through that process maybe as a race or or a group or a geographical area of people need to to sort of evolve past that point i don't know yeah (laughs) no i i i know exactly what you're saying it's like I often wonder, in general, uh, what is it about European civilizations that made them so different? You know, 
Like, why is there such a different... Maybe they're aliens. It's possible. (laughs) Uh, Aryan aliens. (laughs) Aryan aliens. That's my new band name. (laughs) Um, But, but no, you know, some of that stuff, I think, a lot of the stuff we're talking about feels like this combination between natural, you know, like, uh, repressed shadow things, but also... Delib- there's with a mixture of deliberate um you know mechanisms of control and manipulation because even the breastfeeding thing i can't remember exactly but i remember hearing about some big massive corporate pr pitch to convince women to use formula i can't remember what it was but you know people would have to look into that but there have been things like that where people's minds just get manipulated into think like oh well if you're if you're well off like you use formula it's just better you know like especially you know in public you're not going to just expose your body you know i don't know it it seems like yeah. the more you dig into all these different things there's always a mixture of both you know like there's mm-hmm. some corruption and there's just some you know whether it's trauma that people then repress things because they have this collective trauma then they allow it's easier for them to be allowed or it's easier for them to be manipulated due to them having this sort of uncovered trauma you know yes yeah but bodily shame right Mm -hmm. so you know uh and religion right plays into that you know the especially um this sort of Abrahamic religions, the big, the big three, uh, is, you know, especially Catholicism. I, that's what I grew up in, and so there's this like this shame, this this sense of taboo, and so mm-hmm. if you have that baked in to people, whether it comes from religion or whether it just comes from your family structure and and your, your community and you know your area in which you your environment, um, then it's it's like oh wow there's all these openings for advertisers and corporations and banks and governments and educational systems and entertainment industry to uh, cast their their line into their into those openings and 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 hook onto those emotional trigger points yeah. and be like yeah you're not good enough you need this and yeah so totally yeah it's a it's a, it, they they go together it's this like catch twenty two almost it's like we. We can't really change the the laws and the rules until the people are ready to accept the changes, but the people won't be ready to accept the changes until someone leads the way with a change, which is why I always look at like that. You asked me about that debate in the beginning of the podcast. I'm like, guys, like we're this is supposed to be like we're supposed to be making a choice who we want to lead our nation. <laughs> yeah. Like these are not leaders. Mm-hmm. These are not wise old elders with 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 uh, comprehensive knowledge uh, and holistic knowledge. And you know that that is really where I see one of the biggest gaps in people's thinking is like, do we really have people that are are leaders, or are they just rulers? You know, yeah. where they're just predatory psychopaths that are attracted to power and want to hoard resources and fuck people over and you know and um or, or even yeah. just at best like essentially just puppets you know yeah just puppets yeah. <laughs> at best people who are just worked their way through a corrupt system you know because they wanted some notoriety or they wanted to feel important like oh i'm the president you know 
But it's really just you're the president because you allowed yourself to be manipulated or you allowed yourself, you were willing to uh, forgo your integrity and take money from various different places and tweak your opinions based on who would give you money so that you could get to this position. And that's sort of a, I think, sort of a fundamental, you know, capitalist feature um, you don't even need to necessarily call it capitalist, but you know what I mean? A feature of the society that we've lived in until now. It's like, if you want, you know, the number one hit record, if you want to be the biggest actor, if you want to be the president along the way through your journey, you're going to have to tweak your opinions. You're going to have to change your looks. You're going to have yeah. to, you're you know what I mean? Sacrifice your baby to Baphomet. Yeah. So, so by gonna- the time, <laughs> you know what I mean? You start out as limp biscuit doing $3 bill y'all. And the, then you make, you know, did it all for the nookie. And you look back and you're like, what did we turn into? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they did it all for the nookie. Yeah, That's exactly. They said it right these, in the song. These, these, the, the reward system, the perverse incentive structure set by the what I call the power elites is, I, 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 didn't, I don't fucking see Edgar uh, Wright called him that mm. in his book, the Power Elites. But, uh, but I, I like to use that term because... Um, was that the right guy? No, Edgar Mills. Fuck him. I, I forgot his name. All right, you'll find out and make me look <laughs> smart later. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, but 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 they set the, the the precedent and the tone for the the reward system that gets doled out to the people that play according to those game rules. Mm. You know, so it's like, look, you know, all of these things that we're talking about. It's it's clearly the people that we are are saying are hallucinating to be some kind of leaders or or something like that. You know, there's there is a uh, a set of game rules that say you will get consolation prizes. So Limp Bizkit doing it all for the nookie. The nookie, the nookie is a as a sort of consolation mm. prize. Because the real prize is like a, a whole baked-in, healthy, sexual, you know, romantic, intimate, deep, connected sort of relationship. But we live in a culture where it's just like, you know, uh, you know, b- bang as many people as you can and right. can get all the money that you can. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously people are going to be drawn to that because that's the only reward system that is within the confines of this allowable you know construct of reality yep does that make does that make sense it does for- it does and it was yeah. c Wright mills yeah c Wright yeah. mills i don't know why i threw the edgar in there um but <laughs> you know it's I, I reminds me of the way charles eisenstein talks about some of this stuff um which really resonates with me is this idea that you know our our culture for a for a long time has been all about take something that would normally be like a human birthright, take it away from them via, you know, civilized society or, or whatever. And I'm not saying this is all intentionally manipulative. Like this is, we've all co-created this situation. Right. We're all participating in it. But just as a way to explain it and break it down, it's like, take something that would have been, uh, you know, part of our, of our human experience, part of our culture, take it away and then sell it back. So, you know, pollute the waters, sell bottled water, isolate people, sell them, you know, FaceTime or whatever. And, you know, you could go on and on and on. It's like take away, you know, remove people from the abundant lands of 
wild food and gardens and sell them, you know, whole foods or whatever. Yeah. One, one of the big ones, take away uh, an open, healthy sexual sexuality. Mm. And then it, it manifests in this perverse yes. por- pornography and the pornography and addiction. Strip clubs. And, and strip clubs and, and de- you know, degrading people and yep. women. And, yeah. Yep. yeah, so I see that, you know, that really resonates with me, and you you can see it going on all over the place. Even take away a child, you know, take away a tribe where you have multiple adults, um, you know, teaching kids every day on their own about nature, about the land, about you know the wisdom of the tribe, and throw them in a school system that's meant to make them a cog in a machine, and and you know, be comfortable with working, you know factory hours and all of this stuff um and i think you know what you're talking about uh, about the debates um i think you know i've been having this conversation with a couple different people about voting or not voting and there's a really strong push right now to vote for joe biden because trump is like nothing we've ever seen before He's so dangerous that we understand that it's the lesser of two evils. And even for people who have said, like, I haven't voted. I know Dan Carlin, if you're familiar with his work, put out a oh, yeah. podcast recently basically saying, you know, he hasn't voted for a major party candidate in like a decade. And he um, yeah, is an independent too. and all of this <clears throat> stuff. But he's going to vote for Joe Biden because he feels like... Oh. Um, there's a civil war at stake and Trump is just sort of taking things to a new level that we've never seen before. I can understand those arguments and maybe I'm just being overly idealistic or uh, hanging my hat too much on the metaphysical nature of reality, but I just can't help but feel like even something such as watching the debates or talking about the debates, which I'm not saying I'm holier than thou because I'm talking to you about them and I've seen people talking about them on Twitter and I'm still in that realm to an extent. But it just feels like the more attention we put on this stuff and legitimize it as like an actual thing that has real value and meaning, we're just sort of consenting to something that really does no real good for us and we have no real control over i mean we have been given two candidates that we're supposed to pick from yes well all right. the other candidates are actively um smeared and and shut down and there's been so much research on people are all worried about a voter fraud due to either mail-in ballots or the fact that Trump doesn't want mail-in ballots and all of this stuff. But if you look into the history of voter fraud and the how easy it is for people to hack these voting machines um, and the people who own and operate these voting machine companies, you know, that have ties to the Clintons and all of these different organizations, I wouldn't be surprised if almost every single election is manipulated and some variety, even if we did have the candidates we wanted in there, like even if Bernie Sanders or Tulsi Gabbard or some person that we did think was great got in there, I think there's people that have so much at stake regarding who's in power, they'll do whatever it takes to get the result that they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've been a proponent of 
not voting as a protest vote mm. uh, for a long time. In fact, I made a YouTube video in 2015 or 2016, I think, about it. Um, and my, <clears throat> my reasoning behind that is similar to, I think, what you said. It was like, let's let us smart, intelligent, beautiful, unique individuals make a choice over our own sovereignty of or let's 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 own up to our own uh consciousness and our own reality that we want to experience and simply divert our attention away from all of these things that are demanding our attention that are relentlessly demanding our attention with all kinds of panics and fears and things like that that do have real world consequences that are not so great um so i i i i am very much, I think it was um, Philip K. Dick in, in his novel Vallis that said, those who fight the established system become infected by its derangement, only to then become the thing that they're fighting against. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I, I see that. I, you know, when I was growing up as a kid uh, and I was a teenager, I got into a lot of fights. Like, I, I, I didn't necessarily start them all, but I was just in an environment where that happened. And I noticed that, like, nothing really changes you're just fight you're always in a war you're always in a battle you're always in a fight it's always if it's not this thing it's the next thing if it's not voter fraud it's something else it's it's there's always something that you could find so i think that you know we look at the the candidates that have been selected to us and i just i just think they're both shit i think both parties i think all the parties are shit i think the whole system is fucked so I'm like, why don't we just stop paying attention to this? Don't contribute any of our most precious resource, which is our time, energy, and attention into this, and instead start talking with other people about new ways of, of being. And, and that sort of also requires a level of civil disobedience as well, which can be scary for a lot of people because you're going against the law. But you know, the law doesn't necessarily equate with what's good for you and me and for other people out there that feel a pressure and feel a sense of, uh, you know, instability. That there, But there are people out there that are desperately seeking other ways. And I think that, you know, all these institutions and all these things that we have that we look up to and the traditions that we like to honor and pledge to and this stuff can be reinvented in a diversity of new ways because they're all just constructed by people. They're mm. just constructed by us. And if we can, and, and I think that really like what we were talking about before, it's going to take r shit really hitting the fan, really hitting the fan until people really wake up and say, oh yeah, like we don't have to, you know, go down this road that we can actually choose to put our attention into other things that can then grow. I posted something about this the other day about how everything that we grow in this garden that has toxic soil is not going to produce the kind of vegetation that we want you know yeah. so we need we need to start and and to repair the garden it's a nightmare it's overgrown there's in all kinds of bugs eating the plant it's just toxic food the soil's ruined so we need to move to new gardens we need to plant new soil and 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 a diversity of seeds and see what what takes place there yeah, I, I a lot of I get a lot of criticism for sort of advocating not voting. People think that it's um, that it's uh, going to do more harm than good because they see Trump as being this real existential threat to real to our reality. To this, he's this you know evil guy, 
And I'm like, look, he's just a symptom of what we've allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a sim- he's a symptom of the problem that we've allowed. And I and I suspect that a lot of people that are on the radical left really want. And there's a you know there's a radical right. There's radicals on both sides. Yep. But the 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 people that really have this like, well, we got to get him out and we got to get Biden in. I think it's really just this this call to like. I want I want this trip to end. Make it stop. It's a bad trip. Just make it stop. It's like we want to get back to sort of going asleep again, you know, so we don't have to worry about the cancer at the, at the the rot at the core of our of our culture, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I you know, I like your your soil analogy because it's just so relevant as to to what the other things are going on as far as how much all of our our um, farming practices are just so terrible in this country, and how we don't only have something like six harvests left or something until most of the farmland in the country is borderline unusable. Um, but at the same time, there's this emergence of regenerative agriculture, and it's gaining in popularity. There's a new Netflix documentary out called kiss the ground that's really great Mm. talking about that stuff and um and you know along with um with regenerative agriculture i feel like there are other different solutions for problems popping up or bubbling under the surface um and it just feels like putting more attention into the next paradigm, the new things that are coming, the solutions versus pouring all our energy and getting exhausted over, should we vote for Biden? Should we do, you know, whatever. It just seems like the more we can put energy into the solutions, the better off we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. you know, the Biden, I obviously this is a deep topic and there's so much, you know, that we could get into, but it's the, the voting for Biden and thinking it could solve the problem feels akin to the idea of, you know, taking an opiate for a, a, a back issue that needs stretching and a weight gain, you know, like a cha- changing your diet to lose some weight, stretching it out, maybe getting a different career that doesn't hurt your back maybe you know there's how many different variables that probably need to be addressed um but saying like okay well i'm just gonna go get the prescription for the the opiate and hopefully that makes it better and yeah maybe there is an argument for hey you take the pain medication so that you're not completely overwhelmed by pain and that gives you some freedom to think about solutions and changes maybe but in my experience uh sometimes that can just uh, lead to you thinking that maybe the problem is solved and you go back to continuing to do the same things you were doing before. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like that analogy because it it harkens back to what you said earlier in the podcast about how, you know, that we just... um, Like, it's it's like we just want to do what's easiest. That it's not necessarily like there's this nefarious drive or whatever but it's just like we just want to do what's what's the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. and maybe the easiest thing to do is just be like look just vote for biden get the he- get this guy the hell out of there and and we can have some kind of um <laughs> you know illusion that there's been some change created you know because yep. we like 
participated as slacktivists in, in <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. I, I don't mean to, it's it's tricky. I, I don't mean to like disparage people that that feel that way because I understand where that feeling comes from. Um, but I, I find myself having this sort of short circuit moment where I'm just like, yeah, compute. like I'm like I don't understand like the the thing like every four years it's the same shit guys like it's the same thing like we're we're nothing ha- there's been no radical fundamental revolutionary shifts and nothing of substance was talked about in the debates nothing of substance is ever really talked about in the debates in the debates unless you have guys like uh, well you mentioned Tulsi Bernie and I would say also Ron Paul who was mm-hmm. a big inspiration for me early on he was like a matrix breaker he's you know there people are ta- debating about things that are you know the debates always go in this sort of like pre-approved like okay th- this is the realm that we're that we're allowed to talk yeah. about and you have people that are coming in that aren't in uh, you know beholden to that to say what about these wars that have been going <laughs> yeah. on forever like, isn't this a problem? Like, you know, what about the the fact that the you know the the war on drugs and the prison population? Like, so it's it's a it's a big it's a big thing. And and like you were saying with the with the medication with the opiates, there's um there's this great quote by a friend of mine uh, who uh, I worked at the ayahuasca center at, and she said, "In the West, we prescribe medications. Medications suppress symptoms and they make people feel better sometimes, and sometimes it's appropriate." Uh, and she's talking about ayahuasca here. Ayahuasca is a medicine. It doesn't suppress anything. It brings everything to the surface. So instead of running away, you actually have to face yourself. You actually have to face difficult emotions. You have to face physical pain, and you do it in a ceremony space. And by facing this, uh, by what's sitting within and breathing through it, you can move through it, and that's where the the healing takes place. And I just I love that distinction between medication and medicine because we are a very medication culture and it does it's not just in the actual medication what we see with the evil corrupt pharmaceutical hmm. industry but that model of of uh, managing symptoms is everywhere it's just like get people hooked get people addicted whether it's social media or politics a political party or something like that get them hooked and then just kind of manage their their symptoms yep i like what you're saying about um sort of the uh, accepted um, what would you call it? The accepted, you know, realm of debate or the accepted, uh, yeah. you know, the, pre- a, the pre-approved uh, playpen of allowable expression, <laughs> yeah. debate, and opinion. Yeah. Exactly. I think Noam Chomsky talks about that and has has a word for it. That oh, yeah. that thing. But it, you know, even thinking back to like Ralph Nader and Ross Perot and these people oh, yeah. who just like, you know, kind of were radical people for their time. Um, it it really does make you see how indoctrinated we are to the when you see these debates when it's like okay uh do you think this or do you think that like you've already got the two options it's got to be one of the two you know trump or biden and one of the things i really uh i don't know how familiar you are with jimmy Dore. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a pretty hilarious I guy. I like, I like Jimmy Dore, yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of great info. He he can be a kind of an angry character, but we <laughs> yeah. need people like that, you know, in the world. So, anyways, he has this great point about nothing's going to ever change if you're always willing to immediately pledge your vote to somebody before they ever 
tell you what they're gonna stand for. I mean, even before it was Trump and Biden, there were all these, you know, well-known people coming out to say, like, you know, I support Bernie, but at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'll vote for Biden if if Biden's the candidate. And it's like already they know, okay, it doesn't matter what we do as long as we're we go on, we're better than Trump you know, we're not Trump, we're not the bad guy with orange hair, then we can do whatever the hell we want. You know what I mean? Yep. We don't have oh, to yeah, support totally. Medicare for all, or we don't have to figure out, um, you know, it doesn't matter. Pick your thing that you're passionate about. Right. If the corporate interests don't want it, they know they don't have to appease the people because they're yeah. so scared of Trump that they'll do whatever, you know, the whatever it takes, you know, they'll they'll elect whoever you put in front of them that's not Trump. Right. And yeah. if people consistently do that and Biden gets voted in, well, then what's going to happen next time? You know, who's the next Trump going to be and how bad is he going to have to be to continue to get people to buy into this lesser of two evil situation, you know? Yeah. And I just look at it. It's just such a time suck. It's like, what does this actually have to do with the, our, our lives on a daily yeah. basis? You know, it's like such a time suck. And the media fans the flames and, you know, because they get the, the, the legacy establishment media was dying, you know, totally yeah. dying. And the pandemic has boosted up their rating and all this fear porn gives them more ratings. And, and that's great because they want to, that's what they want. They want more control and, and domination over that marketplace. So yeah, just look at like, I don't know how familiar you are with sports, but in uh, the and. Yeah, and in, in the <laughs> pretty familiar. Usually, it's like a game where someone plays, someone wins, and sometimes there's a ball involved. <laughs> but it depends what say, the sport is. Yeah, I meant to say football. Yeah, yeah. There football, was um, like a couple, few years ago. Maybe it was longer than that. But there was this Patriot scandal, Tom Brady yeah. and the deflated balls and all this stuff. Deflate game. And it, yeah, deflate gate, right? <laughs> so it's like, how many Patriots, diehard, loyal Patriot fans were like, yeah, that was a mistake. We probably shouldn't have done that. That was cheating. Yeah, that wasn't so good. No, they're they're defending their team to the death. Yep. And and that's just the mentality that we have in our entire culture. You know, yeah. it's that team warlike mentality. Which is a very toxic and <laughs> destructive mentality. I mean, even the news for how much people uh, in the news seem to hate Trump, and uh, they sure give him so much airtime. I remember the first um, round, you know, with the Hillary Clinton versus Trump and Bernie Sanders in the mix. Um, I remember hearing stats about how many hours of media time Trump was getting, just astronomical numbers, where I remember they were showing at Trump's empty podium on the news instead of showing Bernie Sanders' speeches. And just things like that where it's like the, again, back to the perverse incentive uh, motives that you're talking about, where it's like they make more money. And actually, arguably, they could have made just as much money if they would have televised Bernie Sanders' speeches because people were desperate to hear those types of things. I think people still are, which is why he has a massive following and... Unfortunately, he's kind of used his position to sort of attempt to corral people into the establishment Democratic Party, which is unfortunate. But but the spirit of what he was saying, even if you disagree with the politics, just the spirit of like, hey, oh, yeah. we're the little guy, we're the 
let's get together and do this ourselves. Let's get in the streets. Let's do grassroots things. Like we can make this, we can make it better, you know, and highlighting the corruption of the system. Like nobody had ever, that stuff sounded like conspiracy, I think, to a lot of people before Bernie Sanders. Once Bernie Sanders was laying it out there for people, now it's just in the zeitgeist of, you know, the 1% and uh, the one-tenth of 1%. Um, right. So, uh, I don't know really where I was going with all that, honestly. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the just the how much the media, for incentive purpose, you know, for money, will give so much attention to something that people claim to unanimously hate and want to, you know, get out of the White House. Um, it just... Yeah, it's so counterintuitive, and it seems to really, it's fueled Trump. You know what I mean? The, the constantly talking about him and showing him on the news and ripping on him constantly. It's fueled the supporters of him that much more. It's made it's oh, legitimized yeah. this idea of fake news because he's constantly they're constantly you know skewing everything he says to seem way crazier than it actually is or. You know what I mean? They can never acknowledge maybe something positive that he's done because I'm sure he's done a few positive things here and there. Um, it's just like people don't understand that if you constantly have this inflated idea of how terrible the guy is and you only focus on that and constantly put it out there, you're just making people think, well, I watched what he said and it wasn't that so either you're lying or you know what i mean it just makes people kind of fuels the people who are are supporting him yeah well he yeah i mean and and it's like he serves a very he serves a purpose he's he's almost like a, a heel character in wwe mm. you know? <laughs> he's like it's like pay attention to this angry orange guy who is of course we could all agree not good right you know yeah. not a good person not a good not right. doesn't espouse and embody the sort of ideals that we would w wish to have uh but let's just make him the the devil this way you know we could just project all of our bad feelings and all of our hate onto him he's the perfect vessel for that and then you know we can uh we that and 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 buy that it's a it's a great distraction that we don't have to worry about all the other shit that's going on that's always constantly going on by the unelected uh, establishment rulers of the country. If, you know, and and what's sad is that deep state has been now associated with QAnon and and Trump. And I've been researching and reading about the the, the deep state yep. or the shadow government or the sort of you know whatever you want to call them the unelected influencers yep. of. That, that use this mechanism of this tool that is this mechanism of power to their advantage, the corporations and the banks and, um, and, and, and all the other people that get involved, Silicon Valley and, and, and all the rest of them and the intelligence agencies, the alpha, you know, all of these agencies. Um, and, uh, and they're, do, they're all doing just fine. You know, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. Yep. They're doing what they do. And we still have the economic structure that we have, the, the you know everything is still the same so uh it doesn't really matter to me who is the puppet who is the the mirror the cultural mirror uh of of the presidency until we address all of these interconnected fundamental issues that we've been talking about our yeah. food our health you know what we should value technology 
you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And when we have this major system taking over so much, like people were very upset about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And it's like, yeah, I mean, she was, you know, she served for a long time and she did a lot of great things, but, but also it's like, wow, now we're worried because one person died. Yeah. It's like no system. We shouldn't live in a system where that because of the death of one person that we're afraid now, like we shouldn't totally. imbue this, this, this system with so <laughs> much power you know yeah so no, that's it, huge i mean it's yeah. really just we're giving our power away by even just thinking in that way even right, if right. even if that person does technically have this certain amount of power we're giving away our power to just consent to that and say like yep that's how i view reality too like she does have all that power and the fact that she died we're in big trouble you know like i'm sorry I mean, maybe I'll change my tune when I'm locked in a FEMA camp because I didn't, you know, do what so-and-so told me to do. But I'm just saying, like, if we all decide, you know, the more and more people get on this get on this vibe and decide, like, no, I'm going off grid. I'm starting a local community. I'm going to buy and sell with my local farms. I'm going to garden. I'm going to hunt. And we form these, like, strong, resilient local networks to where we reduce our dependency upon these giant in global technocratic institutions and we sort of bring it back down to the the local communal level as much as we can i mean as much as feasibly possible i think just that act in and of itself is probably one of the most powerful political things we could do and it will cause its own chain reaction and change that it doesn't have to be through the political system maybe somebody sees what you're doing on social media or somebody from your community comes and sees what you're doing and it inspires them to do the same thing to where it's just this global chain reaction that we could have never you know considered that has much more power than than anything we could do through the through the uh established political system totally yeah and 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 the the locality of it you know it's decentralized and and peer to peer like it's people that are doing the sim like similar things like i recently found i found out about this guy dr sabi mm. um do you know about dr sabi i don't think so he was i think he was from I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he was from, but he was advocating he, – he, he healed himself and he healed other people through uh, a nutrition practice. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I think he like mysteriously died mm. because he was saying that he had found a cure for a lot of diseases and stuff through nutrition. And one of his big things was sea moss. And so um, – uh, a friend of mine found someone on social media who has an Etsy store who like grows this sea moss. And then, you know, so we're, it's like these networks, we can use technology and we can use the sort of structure that we've built in this world to connect with other people that are doing all these other things out there. So I can, I can trade you something from my farm and you can send me something of yours. Like I'm, I've got uh, chanterelle mushrooms yeah. and, and you know, I'll send them over to you and you can send me some creminis or something. And, yes. you know, so it's like th th this kind of system can be enabled. Um, however, we, we definitely have been really, really comfortable in just giving our own intuition, our own cognitive abilities and our thought and, and control away to experts 
and authority figures. Oh, well, that scientist, well, he, he knows what's, what's right for my body and my mind and for me. So I trust him. He's on the news. He's wearing a suit. So he must be right. It's yeah. like, well, no one knows but, but you. Like, we, we really have to be the, the sole arbiters of, of, of truth and reality for ourselves. You know, we can't really um, defer, totally defer to, um, you know, other people to have dominion over that. You know, the final say. We have to have the final say. Yes. Sole arbiters of truth. I think that's the title for the podcast. And that's probably a good line to end it on. I see we've been going for two hours. I. It's nice. I feel like we could just keep going, but I don't want to keep you forever. So and <laughs> no, I'm getting kind of cool, hungry yeah. too. But yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, good man. Yeah, Jacob. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. I love. I love. Uh, I love this. This. Uh, these conversations. Yeah. And I hope to have more of them. So we'll we'll do it again on my show. Yeah, I was gonna say we might have to just start making it a you know, semi regular thing because it flows nice. So definitely. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. 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 Thanks.